This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com I would like to share with you an amazing, amazing thought on Hanukkah. Hanukkah sticks out from all the other Yom Tevim. For example, the Rambam speaks about Ner Hanukkah, that it's Chavibah Hi It's a very, very beloved uh, mitzvah. Doesn't say Chavibah. There's no other mitzvah that the Rambam speaks about this way, that it's Chavibah, that it's beloved. But Hanukkah gets the title, the Ner Hanukkah gets the title of beloved. We have also, on the secular side, something very interesting. The secular, which is what their name represents, don't really observe the mitzvot. They don't follow the Torah. But for some reason, Hanukkah is one of the few holidays that it's up there that the secular do observe, to some extent. That the secular people are somehow, the non-religious people are somehow connected to Hanukkah. And it begs the question, so why? Why, out of all the other types, does this one fall into the category that, yeah, this is the one that they choose? You have also another interesting point is that Hanukkah is represented by the Arhaganas. It's connected to the Arhaganas. The Arhaganas was a hidden light that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created right when he created the world. This light is a very, very powerful light. It's like a light of clarity. A light of light. You, you can see things that you can never see without, without this light. A very, very special light. But the problem was is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw that people will misuse it. People are going to do wrong things with this light. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu went and he hid the light. And one of the places that it's hidden is in Hanukkah. Hanukkah represented the hidden lights, the light of clarity. It's connected with the secular for some reason. It's a Habibai Ad There's something that sticks out about Hanukkah that we have to go and, and investigate just a little bit to see the power that lies in this Yom Tov, in this amazing, beautiful Yom Tov. <clears throat> we know that our Nishama is represented by like a Ner, like a, like a flame. What is the representation of, uh, of a flame uh, compared to a neshama? There is, in every single one of us, there is a desire to do good. There is a desire to accomplish. There is a desire to succeed. There is a desire to just be awesome. The problem is, we get uh, distracted. We don't utilize this inspiration. We don't utilize this, uh, this desire. But every so often, we get inspired. We get motivated. We get enthusiastic to be able to go and do something. Right? We all want to be that better person. <coughs> we all want to accomplish a lot. We all want to be the better parent. We all want to be the better child. We all want to be the better spouse. We all want to be the better employer, employee. We all want to accomplish a lot. And sometimes, sometimes there's a, there's a, there is that inspiration. And we grab that inspiration and we're able to do. We're able to accomplish. And sometimes the inspiration wins. And there's a, there's a fire inside of us. Sometimes there's a fire that lights up inside of us and we're able to accomplish a lot. That inspiration, that fire, that, that, that spark that we're looking for is very much connected to Hanukkah. Hanukkah, there is a part of us that we want to do better. Hanukkah has the ability to ignite that spark. Hanukkah has that ability to go and take that motivation and pull it forward. We just got to tap into it. That's why the secular are somehow connected to it. They can't, they think it's all maybe because of the time season. There's something very spiritual, powerful on this Yom Tov. The Rambam calls it Chaviva Hiyad Me'ai. There's something very, very special about this Yom Tov. There is something, the Aragon is the clarity that we all search for, that we all seek for. It's something with this Yom Tov of Hanukkah. There's something over here. And that is there's a desire for us to do good. Hanukkah has the ability to ignite that desire. We know that the story of Hanukkah was a story of where the, 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 
Jewish people were not so enthusiastic before the story of Hanukkah on certain things in Yiddishkeit. But comes Hanukkah, the enthusiasm, the, the, the inspiration came in and says, no, we're doing this and we're going to do it right. We're going to do it fully. There was an inspiration that was boiling up inside each and every single one of us. And that, that, that inspiration, that little spark with Hanukkah ignited and blew up into like, uh, for us to accomplish amazing things. And that is what Hanukkah has the ability to do. People that have difficulties. People, Hanukkah is a time that you're able to go and ignite that spark, ignite that inspiration and accomplish so much. There is a spark inside every single one of us that wants to do more. Every single Jew, the furthest Jew off and the, the, the most righteous Jew. Everybody has that spark. Everybody, and sometimes it ignites and other times it lays dormant. Hanukkah is the, the, the time that you could go and explode this. You could accomplish so much and it is such a special holy holiday. Rabbi Saul Meir Lau shares an amazing story. That before, during the time of war, the, the World War II, where, you know, the Nazis were spreading and, uh, you know, the Jews, you know, were trying to escape. There was one Rosh Yeshiva that he couldn't escape. He, like, he could, but he couldn't inside. He couldn't inside. He wanted to be with his Talmidim. How could he leave his Talmidim alone? He couldn't, and he, you know, as opportunities came, he couldn't take it on himself to go and run away from his students. So he decided he's going to stick with his students. And he stuck with his students, and unfortunately, he did not make it out of the Holocaust. And many of the students also perished. There was one student that was able to make it out, and the student was very connected to the Rosh Hashiva, was very connected to the rabbi. And after the war, he was searching to see, did the rabbi make it? Did any, you know, like, searching to see, and he saw that the rabbi, unfortunately, didn't make it. And then he was searching, okay, maybe a family member, you know, made it out. And he found out there was one daughter one daughter, the sole survivor of his rub, the sole survivor of the Rosh Hashiva, the sole survivor of the Rebbe, was his one daughter. <clears throat> so he decided he's going to try to track her down. And it took him years to track it down. Meanwhile, he ended up moving to Israel, to Israel, and he ended up marrying and having children. And he was searching and searching until he found that the rabbi's daughter ended up moving to Belgium. And unfortunately, to make matters worse, she completely threw off religion. She complete to the point that she ended up marrying somebody in, involved in the church, and uh, she even sent her one son to the monastery. He was in a Catholic school, and the students tried to connect with this woman, and he started writing her letters. She never responded to one letter. Then he said, "Okay, you know what? Let me try calling her." So back then, not everyone had phones, and he real and he found out that she didn't have a phone. So he went and he found out where she was working. She was working in a certain factory, and he started calling the factory. And the first time that uh, he got a hold of the factory and then they were able to transfer, you know, she was able to come to the phone. He explained who he was. She slammed the phone down immediately. He thought maybe he got disconnected. Call back again. It was very expensive to call long distance. He called back again and he said, no, no, you don't understand. I'm your, the student of your father. And she's like, please don't ever call me again. I have no interest in whatever you're trying to sell. And she hangs up the phone again. He tries calling again and again and again. At this point, the, they say that she's not interested in uh, speaking to you. Please stop calling her. So he said, okay, well, what else can I do? And then he decided, he says, I can't give up. He says, you know what? He didn't have a lot of money. He decided that he is going to buy a plane ticket and he's going to fly down to Belgium and meet with her and speak to her. So he buys his plane ticket. He flies down to Belgium, gets her address, and he starts knocking on her door. She opens up 
the door and she sees uh, obviously uh, from a religious uh, you know person standing in front of her she's she was confused she's like yes can I help you she's like oh I'm the student of the second that he said I'm the student before he was able even to say the rabbi she slammed the door on his on his face and he's like he was taken aback and he knocks the door and you know again she screams at it from behind she says I have no interest in anything please leave me alone <coughs> this student just flew all the way from Maritza Shaw he's not going to just leave her alone after all that and he starts knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and nothing doing. And he's knocking and he's sitting, he's taking a break, he's knocking after about an hour. He starts knocking and sends, you know, like nonstop. And then finally she opens the door and she says, what do you want? She's so fussy, she's like, what do you want already? And he's like, oh, uh, do you mind, can I have a glass of water? And she was immediately like, you know, she was taking a break. She's like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I guess I can give you, uh, you know, a glass of water. And she's like, but you wait outside. I'll bring the water to you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, no problem. And then as she's walking inside, he says, do you mind? He says, I, I was been standing here for a long time. I'm very tired. Can I have a chair to sit? And she looks at him and she says, you know what? Just come in and sit down, you know, over here. But I have no interest in whatever you're selling. I do not want to become a Baalist Shuva. She, I have no interest in Yiddish guide. I have no interest in anything. You get your drink, you sit down a little bit, and then please leave. And he says, what makes you think that I want to make you a Baalist Shuva? She's like, why are you here? He says, listen, he says, you know, your father was my rabbi. He was like a father to me. He says, you, are, you, you know about what happened during the, you know, his, last, his last, you know, hours on earth. I, you know, like, I'm going to talk about him. And she was like, oh, okay. And, you know, they sit down and he's drinking his glass of water. And he says, so what, what happened? What happened? You know, like, how did he, like, what was his last days like? And she starts tearfully recounting, you know, recounting about what happened in his last moments. Says you don't know. Says the Nazis, they went and uh, you know while they they murdered him while he was wearing his talis and tefillin. It was this you know like they were talking and talking and talking about it. Short while goes by. He gets up to leave, and as he gets as he gets outside, he turns around to her, and he says, "I just want to let you know, you hold the key." And then he continues walking, and then it takes like a few seconds, and she's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. so key key to what?" And he turns around and he says, there was a battle. There was a battle between the Nazis and there was a battle between your father. And the battle was, they wanted to make sure that his grandson is not going to be Jewish. His grandson is going to have nothing to do with Judaism. There's not going to be any Judaism left in this family. And they went and they murdered him because that was the plan to try to eradicate Judaism from him. And he says, now the, ba- the, the key is up to you. The key of who is going to win the battle. Are the Nazis going to win the battle and really he's not going to have a Jewish son and grandchild? Or are you going to win the battle? Or is he going to win the battle? And there will be a Jewish grandchild. And with that, he turns around and he goes and he leaves. He gets into the car that was waiting for him, that was driving him, and he tells the driver, start the car, but stay here, don't move yet. And he, they start the car. She sees, you know, he sees her go back into the house and he tells the driver, wait. They wait about five minutes, ten minutes. All of a sudden, she runs out of the house and she runs to the car and she says, I don't want the Nazis to win. He says, do me a favor. Take my son and bring him to Israel and bring him in the way of Torah Mitzvah. He says, I'm a lost cause, but at least save my son. And he says, well, I'm a stranger. I can't just take your son. He says, if you want, I'll take your son, but you have to come along. 
He says, what do you mean? I said, like, I'm married to a non-Jew. Like, I, you know, like, he says, that's the deal. I'm not taking your son without you. You want to come, you want to hear his mother, you come along with him. So she thinks for a moment. She says, give me five minutes. She runs into the house. She comes out five minutes later with a suitcase. And she tells the driver, says, you're going to pick up my son from, from Catholic school. And they drive to the Catholic school. They pick up the son and they, and they fly, the, all three of them fly to Eretz Yisrael. Says Rabbi Lau, says this son is now a very, very big rav in Eretz Yisrael. Inside, this woman was a spark. As much as she threw her way everything, she was going against Yiddishkeit, against everything, there was still something inside of her that was burning inside. There needed to be a little, that spark needed to be lit up. That spark had to be ignited, and once it ignited, that's it, the, it knew no bounds. And once her, the student came, the spark ignited, and that's it, the, the rest is history. Each and every single one of us has this spark inside of us. We just have to ignite it, and not always do we get to ignite it. Hanukkah is the time to light up that spark. Hanukkah is the time that you're able to light up your neshama, light up your soul. It has the ability that is unlike many, many of the other amazing Yom Tov that we have. Hanukkah has the power that the other Yom Tov don't have. And that's why the Rambam says, And that's why the secular don't, there's something that's lit up inside of them, but they don't know why they're dragged or why they're connected to this Yamtiv. There's something, there's Arhagonas that's inside of us that gives us the clarity. And what's the clarity? That all of a sudden we're living our life, and all of a sudden there's a clarity, there's a light that pops up and says, Wait a minute, says, what am I doing with my life? There is something that sometimes there's like a light bulb. That just gets lit up and we'll be like, where are, what, what's going on? That's the Yom Tov of Hanukkah. And that is the power of Hanukkah that we have today. So I ask each and every single one of you, me included, how are you going to light up this Hanukkah? You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.